sisters and friends. Y'all, if you have seen the title of this episode, then um, you know we're already blushing. Uh, just kidding. It, you know, it can be an awkward conversation. It can be um, something that we shy away from talking about, especially in the church or just really anywhere, honestly. It's just a, it's just an awkward thing to bring up. We were reminiscing on the first time I had the sex talk uh, whenever I was probably like nine years old. And I think I uh, brought you your worst nightmare as a kid because <laughs> I think most kids are like, oh, I don't really want to hear about this. Let's just forget about this. And I wanted to know everything about it yes. whenever I asked you. It was just one night yes. we were watching So You Think You Can Dance. And uh, the judges kept going like, that was so sexy. And I was like, mom, what sexy mean? And you're like, well, it comes from the root word sex. And I was like, whoa, I did not see this Okay, coming. but we need to backtrack because I feel like I tried to tell you earlier than this and you like just were like no mom I don't want to know yes I did you you knew yourself pretty well you were like at a young age I don't even know how old you were but you came home and you said like you asked me something specific about it and I was like okay well do you want me to tell you I need to you know explain to you where babies come from and you were younger and you were like um I started to kind of like go into it and you were like I don't think I want to know this I'm pretty sure I said I'm too young for this yeah yeah you did you did so this was you you were like eight or nine we were watching so you think you dance and you said what does sex what does sexy mean and so I was like all right this is my opportunity I've been waiting for like just open that door so I can like tell you because that's you know a mom you you know you're gonna have that conversation at some point and you kind of just want to get it over with honestly so I just went straight in and you oh you were not my worst nightmare is actually I loved your response because your first response was literally to laugh you started laughing so hard you like rolled off the couch I'm a nervous laugher yeah I totally (laughs) laugh in like the weirdest scenarios I could not stop laughing and I'm pretty sure you said these words I would never have thought of that. I it was like I was like, I would have never <laughs> thought of that. It was like I never in my wildest imagination like <laughs> thought of that. Yes. When I thought of where babies come from, that never that crossed not, my mind. That was not what you thought. And so it was just so funny because most kids literally just say nothing. They're just like quiet. They're like, all right, got it, mom. I don't need to hear anything else. But you, on the other hand, laughed, fell off the couch, and then went on to ask me every question. On into the night, I remember we like moved from the couch to the bed, and then you continue to ask questions until you finally said again, "Okay, I think I don't want to know anything else." Yeah. I was like, "Okay, we stop here. This is this yeah. is good to know." But I'm actually really glad I asked you all those questions, and I'm glad that you told me that because I got to hear from my mom uh, what sex is and what God's design for sex is. And a lot of people don't have that conversation with their parents, don't have that conversation um, with their pastor or yeah. with the mentor and it comes from a lot of other places um, to prep for this podcast. We did a lot of prep. All of these sticky notes are prep that we have just for God's biblical viewpoint of sex. But to prep for this, I listened to a lot of different sermons as well. So I'm going to go ahead and throw out some of those that I listened to because they were super, super helpful. I listened to Mike Todd's relationship series where he talks about sex in a container. I listened to Mingling of Souls by Matt Chandler, which is my favorite book on sex that Christian and I read when we were engaged and just gave us the most beautiful picture of what God intended for the wedding night and for your marriage. Um, So highly recommend that. And I also listened to David Platt's um, biblical viewpoint on sex. And so some of these things that I'm going to share, even though I'm not going to directly quote 
quote them are from that. And if you want to further this conversation and go look up some more things for yourself, those are some great things that I would recommend. Um, but in Mike Todd's talk, he talked about how actually 80% of people found out about sex from their peers, television, or the internet. Um, which is really a huge number of people. Yeah. So most of you listening, you might have heard about sex from a friend. You might have heard about it from TV or the internet. And maybe that's why you have um, a skewed view of sex or a confused view of sex. Or really, you're just not even sure what you think about sex other than it is what it is. Um, and so what we want to do is we want to share with you the God's view of sex and the biblical viewpoint of it. And why we want to talk about this is because I don't think a lot of people even know what it is. I think a lot a lot of people, when they think about um, what the church has to say about sex, is don't have sex before marriage. Yeah. But that's not really helpful because that leads to asking questions. Well, why? You know, why do we not have sex before marriage? And if you don't take the time to know why, then you're just gonna do it because yeah. why not? You know. Yeah. Well, I was thinking when you were uh, you started this by saying kind of like this is something that no one was talk about, but. In one way, yes, it is kind of one of those things that like you don't really want to talk about. But another way, it's like what everybody's Everybody talking about, about all the it's time. True. You know, if you if you look at the internet or you look at TV or you look at anything like talk, they're talking about sex. Everyone, people oh, yeah. are talking about it all the time. You actually the, can't go through a day. I, there's a statistic that's something crazy. But I mean, if you're honest with yourself, you can't really go through a day where you don't see something that's like overly sexualized. Yeah. Whether it's like on the internet, on social media, in a magazine at a store that you see, in a, a song that you're listening to, especially if you're listening to any secular music right now, you're going to hear about sex. Uh, so actually, yes, you're yeah. right. It's always talked about and it's always out there. I just don't think it's talked about in such a way that's really talking about what it's it's meant to be right. and what it was designed to be yes. because that's become a controversial thing and a controversial mm -hmm. thing to talk about. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are wrapped up in, especially in the church, like shame of like, oh, well, I've already lost my purity. Yeah. And so I can no longer look at Mm -hmm. um, God's design for sex is an option for me. But I just want to go ahead and state from the beginning, I believe that's a lie because mm -hmm. I think that some of us think, oh, we've lost our purity because, you know, maybe we're not a virgin anymore. Maybe you've already had sex with other people. But I believe under the blood of Christ, all can become pure again. And can God can restore that original idea and concept for sex in your life, whether you've had sex before or not. Mm -hmm. And um, right. So and you may have, and you may have heard about sex from the church, and it may have been in a harmful way. There yes. may be ways that the church misrepresented Absolutely. God's word, and I think that that does happen a lot, and has happened. And so I know a lot of people have a lot of hurt because of that, because of things that were taught to them, or even if you grew up in Bible class or a Christian school, there may be things that were taught to you that actually aren't really what God's Biblical. word says. And mm -hmm. so that is why we, you know, always want to go back. Like we always yes. want to like go straight back to God's word because yes. you can listen to a sermon or you can read a book or you can do that. But unless it is directly it's goes true. by God's word, then, um, you know, you really have to test and approve whether it's, it's from God. Absolutely. And I do think that there have been so many harmful things put out from the church when it comes to sex. And if that's brought shame to your life, I just want to say that is not the message of Jesus. That is not the message of the cross. That is not God's intention for sex. And so if you've heard an analogy that was horrible, well, we're actually going to talk about some of those horrible analogies. If you've heard um, things spoken over your life that 
alluded to anything other than the power of the blood of Jesus can heal you and restore you of all things, and it's not truth. And so we're going to go over just some of these things that we've uh, written down. One of the things that I do want to talk about, though, the beauty of looking into God's perspective of sex is that it has been the same concept since Genesis 1. Y'all, I love a good story. That's part of the reason why I love doing this podcast is because I get to hear so many people's story. No matter what kind of stories you love to hear, Audible is the home of storytelling. Audible lets you enjoy all your favorite audio entertainment anytime, anywhere, and all in one convenient app. You can find the best of what you love or discover something new. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. Their selection of mystery and thriller titles will keep your heart racing month after month. Sounds exciting, right? Audible offers an incredible selection of audio books that cover every genre like bestsellers, new releases, memoirs, mysteries, motivation, and all the things. With next listen recommendations, you'll always have something amazing right at your fingertips. Members also get full access to a growing selection of included titles, Audible originals, and podcasts. You can download or stream them anytime you want. With thousands of titles, Audible selections makes their membership totally worth it. Plus, Audible members can pick Pick and keep one title every month from their entire catalog. I am so excited about diving into different kinds of stories and I never listened to like mystery or anything like that, but my sister and brother have been telling me about all these mystery books they're into and one of the ones they recommended is The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. So I'm about to be jumping into that title and seeing what it's all about. New members can try Audible now for free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash woe or just text woe to 500-500. That's audible A u-d-i-b-l-e dot com slash woe or text woe to 500-500 to try Audible for free for 30 days. Uh, we abide by the same truth. And I think that what's so powerful about the Bible is that the truths do not change like these things we talked about this in another podcast so um the idea for sex and marriage is the same idea we're talking about now the same idea we're talking about before jesus after jesus the same idea we're all uh saying is a good idea that sex is good and this is why it's good and this is what god has designed for it on the other hand culture's view of sex has changed a lot it's continuing to continuing to change and that's why i think that it's kind of scary that 80% of people find out about sex from peers, internet, TV, because they're finding out about all new ideas, all new concepts, yeah. and it's just constantly and it's changing. constantly changing. Yes. Like, there's nothing to hold on to no. whenever something is just constantly changing. Yeah, when something changes like that, you don't know if that's a good thing. I mean, you, it hasn't stood the test of time. Right. As opposed to God's view of sex, stands the test of time that this is a good thing and that there's blessing that comes from it, there's beauty that comes mm-hmm. from it, there's a sacredness and intimacy that comes from it, and um, it doesn't do harm, it does good, it brings life. You know, and so I do think that that is significant that we should know a couple statistics on this um, article I read and it was titled continuous change on the world's views on sex and marriage. So, uh, again, just right there, continuous change on the way that we view sex and marriage. This is just over the past 20 years, some statistics statistics. It says that sex outside of marriage has gone from over the past 20 years, 53% of people um, feeling like, you know, it's not acceptable to have sex outside of marriage to now 73% of people feeling like, oh, it's okay to have sex outside of marriage. So we're at 73% of people saying, it's totally fine. Why, what's the harm in having sex outside of marriage? For teenagers, it's gone from 32% not acceptable to 43% acceptable for teenagers to have sex um, and polygamy even. So 
being married to multiple different people has gone from 7% to now 20% accepted amongst people. So even that has gone up to the point where it's so much greater accepted than it was even 20 years ago. And if you think 20 years, that was... 2003 that's not not 2003 that long ago yes to see that significant of a shift in all those areas that's huge yeah and there's a lot of other statistics on here too just um, how much sex is changing and so again what we're talking about is a biblical viewpoint on sex and it has not changed it's not going to change Um, and this is what we believe is the best thing for our life I also want to say I think that a lot of people that come into the conversations like this when you walk into the church and they happen to be talking about sex I think a lot of people can feel shame and guilt and they're like oh well I've already done this and so I don't think that this message really applies to me. There's also a statistic that said 95% of people have sex before they're married. And so I just want to say to you, um, I'm not assuming that you guys are all, you know, I've never had sex before. I'm actually assuming most of you probably have if it's up to the statistic that 95% have. So I just want to say that you are not exempt from the beauty of what this conversation is about to be because you've walked in sexual sin in your past or are currently walking through sexual sin today can be a day that everything changes, that you begin to repent and walk towards the way that God has for you. And so I just want to say that because I think I don't want you to go this whole conversation and be like, shoot, I messed it up. You didn't mess it up. And even feel alone in that because truthfully, the majority of people are in the same boat that you are. It's true. And that that doesn't mean we should keep doing that. Mm -hmm. I think that the, um, I think, you know, Paul says it's like, therefore, like, should we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. Like, don't keep doing the same mistake. Don't keep doing it just because everybody has. God has a better plan for us. And that's what we want to talk about. So with all that said, a nice little intro. Um, What is God's design for sex? So like I said, in Genesis, he kind of lays out, this idea. We're going to start in Genesis 1, go to Genesis 2, and then mom is going to read in Ephesians 5, where it literally quotes the exact same verse in Genesis. So like I said, before Jesus, this is the plan. After Jesus, this is the plan. Today, this is still the plan. Why? Because it's a good plan. And so Genesis... Because the plan came from the one who created us. That's the thing. It's like, we want to follow God's plan because we trust Him that He knows what's best for our life because He is the creator of yes. us. He He set all this up. So, of course, He has the, the way that we should follow. And if you think about it, that is why my response as a 10-year-old or 9-year-old, however old I was, was to say, I would have never thought about that. <laughs> what a great creation. Sex is meant to complement one another. What a great creation. I can't believe that is that was so well thought out. Yeah. Like I would never have thought about that. And I'm designed in such a way that that's going to be able to do that one. And that's crazy. And uh, this is where it all began. Genesis 1, the very front page of your Bible, Genesis 1, verse 27 says, God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. I love my Todd says, God's first command was to go have sex. Like he was like, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And um, so God, you know, makes man in his image. In his image, we are created. And then God blesses man. And then God says, go be fruitful and multiply. Well, then in the second chapter of Genesis, oh, wait, I just want to read this one part too. In verse 31, it says, so this is a little bit after, a couple verses after it says, And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And so right here, 
He's like, this is the plan I made and this is a really good thing. Everything that God created, he said was good. But after this one, he said, this is very good. And so I just want to say that's why the title of this is Sex is Good because I think a lot of people think either like sex is like worldly and it's good right. and all this stuff or sex or is bad or it's bad, dirty or it's or, bad. Right. But no, sex was actually designed yeah. to be really, really good. And so in the second chapter, here's where it starts to talk about marriage and everything. So basically... Man was made, but there was not a suitable helper for man. And so God begins to make a suitable helper for Adam, who is the first man. He makes Eve and calls her woman. And then it says, therefore, verse 24, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife or be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. I love this verse. I go to this verse all the time. I think this is one of the most beautiful gifts in sex in the context of marriage. And the man and his wife were naked and they felt no shame. So I just love that because sex is not meant to um, be shameful. It's not meant to feel guilty or something that needs to be hidden. In the context of marriage, you can be naked and feel no shame. And I remember Christian and I, we pursued a pure, you know, engagement time and time of dating. And by the time that we were at our wedding night, we hadn't had sex with one another. Now we both have broken past, but together we wanted to pursue God's plan. And on our wedding night, I just remember how it was so funny that like all this time, it's like, we're not going to do this. We're not going to do this. And then within an hour, we're sitting there eating cake together, feeling no shame. We're like, they are like, what? This is crazy, you know? But it's like just beautiful because it's God's design. And I just felt fully known, fully seen, fully loved. And that's how it was meant to be. And so that was the plan right here in Genesis 1 for marriage and for sex. And then go all the way to Ephesians where Paul is teaching. And what does Paul say? Yeah, I just wanted to point out that it says they shall become one flesh. And that is kind of, that's a theme of throughout scripture is about that oneness of God. And so, yeah, we go to um, Ephesians 5, I think it was 31. And it says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So it's quoting Genesis. So this is like, how many years later? We don't even know how many. 7,000 years later. A long time. Long time later. Um, and it, But it's saying the same thing. And then it goes on to say, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ in the church. So it goes, it's to, it actually references Christ and the church is like the mystery of a man and a woman coming together as one. And it's that oneness. In other, in other translations, it says that this is a profound illustration. Yeah. So this is an actual, your marriage between a man and a woman and sex between a man and a woman is an illustration of Christ and the church and that yeah. oneness that you yeah. come together in that. And so I was thinking about that as I was kind of reading this, um, preparing for today and just thinking, well, no wonder the evil one wants to like, harm, wants to make sex feel dirty or wrong perverted. or shameful or perverted. Why would the enemy pervert confu- that? It's so obvious. Yeah. And all those things because he's going directly after something that God set up to even illustrate 
what oneness in Christ looks like. Yeah, it's so true because it gives you a full picture of, or a shadow of a picture of mm-hmm. the way that God pursues us as like his bride and his church. It says that we are the bride of Christ. And I remember when Christian and I were getting married, it was so cool to like prepare for our wedding day because, you know, I'm over there like preparing for all these things. He's over there preparing for all his things. And it was just like so awesome. And then when I got to walk down the aisle and like, you know, everybody knows this. As soon as the bride walks in, everybody's like, oh yeah, she looks beautiful. But like, what is the group? groom's reaction, right? As he receives his bride. And that is like such a beautiful picture of Christ as like Christ awaits like the uh, bride, his bride as us, as the church. And when it talks about wearing white and the purity of white, that's why wearing white on your wedding day represents purity. And so again, like we're going to get to this later in the conversation that we can still be pure, even though we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because here's the thing, Romans talks about this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So whether you had premarital sex or whether it's something else that you sin with, we all are under the umbrella that we all are really impure when it comes against the glory of God, except for the power of the blood of Christ. And so this is such a beautiful picture of us getting to be the bride of Christ, just like the wedding day represents, just like marriage represents a covenant relationship. I mean, outside of a covenant with God, I mean, the only covenant you really have is with your spouse, you know? And so this gives you a picture of that, an illustration of that. So of course, why would the enemy come after you this and pervert it and make it all crazy and lustful and, um, you know, all the things that the enemy has made it because it takes away this beautiful illustration, this view of what our life with God looks like and what our life with Christ looks like. Um, Matt Chandler talks about this, and this is why Mingling of Souls is one of my favorite books about sex is because he's basically talking about how sex is not just a physical act. It's not just meant to be physical. It's meant to be the mingling of two souls coming together. It's more than just a physical thing. It's an emotional bond. It's a spiritual bond. It is a physical bond as well, but it's so much greater than that. And that's why it is so powerful. And so outside of marriage, it can do a lot of damage because you're not in covenant. So therefore, you can have sex and have this emotional and this physical and the spiritual bond, but then you have no promise for it to be kept. And so when they leave, it's like heart-wrenching it's, yeah. um, because you, your souls are mingled now. They're <laughs> separated right. and it's hard and it's confusing. Uh, but I, I think love- that's one of the biggest lies that the enemy does tell us today. You know, what you see on television and what you read in books and all the things, it's like, that lie that it sex means nothing, that it's just oh, like yeah. something you can do and forget about and the next day it doesn't matter, it doesn't mean anything. And I think deep down we all know that's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, but we want to pretend like that's true. We want to live like that. But deep down we know that that's not true. But I, I think it has, you know, it has consequences that are emotional consequences and also has there's physical consequences mm-hmm. like you could get pregnant out, you know, and be a single mom. There's you could there's transmitted diseases that come from sex from with multiple partners, things like that, that are actual real life consequences. Mm-hmm. So this isn't like something that's just like, oh, there's no consequence to it. This is like, or playing a game or whatever. And I it's think deep down, we all really know that, but that is a lie that I think the evil one really tries to tell yes. us. Because mm-hmm. if it bonds you emotionally, physically, and spiritually, then I think it has consequences for all of those things as mm-hmm. well. I think it's damaging emotionally. I think mm-hmm. it's damage, uh, it can be damaging physically and also mm-hmm. spiritually as well, you know? And so I do think that that is important to know. It's like, why is this God's design? Why does God say only one man, one woman? Why? And here's the 
thing, like I always love to say this, like God does not give you a rule or a command to ruin your life. He gives you commands to give you the fullness of life. And so if God ever gives a command that feels harsh or that feels, um, I love David Plassus, it feels negative, then what God is doing is he's either trying to protect you or he's trying to uh, call you to something better. So either God is trying to protect you from something or he's trying to call you to something better for something. And so God's um, boundary lines are never to harm you. Obviously, God's boundary lines are to protect you. And um, it's a beautiful thing to be under that. And I think as we just talked about, you know, the world's going to say, oh, well, it's um, just for your satisfaction. It's just for your pleasure. Like, do it. You do you. It's going to feel good. It's going to be good. All these all these things. Um, what's the harm in just one night or whatnot? But, you know, we are a people that are created just to be satisfied. We aren't a people created for satisfaction. We're a people created for love. And we are a people created to be fully known and to be fully loved. And so even when we engage and indulge in that satisfaction, we might find like a temporary moment of satisfaction or a temporary moment of feeling good. But in the end, it does not lead us to life. It does not lead us to feeling good. Um, But to be fully known and to be fully loved, that is what actually leads us to the fullness in, in the context of marriage. I love Song of Solomon uh, paints like a beautiful picture of marriage and the wedding night. And um, this is what the book Meaning of Souls is all about. And it's just so beautiful because, you know, when we look at like sex in our culture, yes, everyone will say, well, it doesn't matter. It's fun. It's good. But then think about all the problems that we have with sex in our culture, like the Me Too movement, you know, like how many women have been damaged and have been harmed and men from um, just abusive sex Mm -hmm. and sexual things and perversion and all these different things we have like all these things in culture that actually show us the harm that this does when it's not done handled properly but song of solomon paints this beautiful picture of this husband with his wife on their wedding night and is so cool to read and if you if you read it and you don't fully understand it that's why i encourage you to listen alongside matt chandler on million of souls if you listen online or read his book because he just like lays out exactly what it's talking about and he pursues his wife um in a sexual way on their wedding night with uh tenderness with love with care he sees her fully he acknowledges everything about her he loves her he does not push he does not um he's not quick he is just there's just such an ease to it and she is mutually giving it back and it's just this like beautiful beautiful thing and like that's the picture of what it looks like inside a marriage it's not just like a quick like physical satisfaction Mm -hmm. thing it's not a selfish thing it's actually a really selfless thing and sex is looked at as so self in our culture it looks yeah. like it's just for me but in marriage that's selfless and it's mm-hmm. beautiful and it's done with care which yeah. then makes you feel more loved which is actually what you really desire and so yes like will it bring temporary satisfaction if you have sex in marriage yes it will like will you get pleasure from it yes you will it will also do harm yes but in marriage there is that satisfaction that pleasure but then there is fullness and there is the thing that your soul really craves which is to be like deeply loved yeah I was thinking about as you were kind of describing that, like what Song of Solomon, how how it describes sex and how what it is really meant to be in a marriage. And, you know, I think a lot of people have experienced it in a whole different way than yes. that. Like you may have been hearing that and thinking like, I don't even know what that I can't even imagine that because you've experienced sex in a way that's harmful, that's painful, that is um 
abusive. You know, if, I know a lot of people experience childhood. I think it's like one in six or like one mm-hmm. in four it, have experienced some kind of childhood sexual wow. abuse. And so if, I know that a lot of you are probably listening and you've experienced in a way that's harmful, that's abusive. And so that just sounds so foreign to you that you're like, I can't even imagine that. I can't mm-hmm. even imagine that. But I just want to say to you that like, what some man has done to you or mm-hmm. what you have the cho- between the choices you've made as an adult that you have done for to yourself that God that does not mess up God's design for sex in your life it doesn't not, God's design for sex is good and is for you and can be for you mm-hmm. even if you've experienced the worst of the worst that the this world has to mm-hmm. offer in sex I, I was just thinking about you know some people that I know and I know their stories and they have these difficult, difficult stories of childhood abuse, but they walk as adults with just like this beautiful purity Mm -hmm. and light. And they're in a relationships where they have that sex that is good Mm -hmm. and pure and beautiful. And that is what, what the enemy, you know, meant for harm. God intends for good. And he can still have that for you in your relationship. Even if you've been hurt um, Mm -hmm. by sex in the past, you can walk, you can still walk in purity because of what God's design is for your life yes it's like in every other thing i feel like in so many other sins it's like we know that we have forgiveness we know oh we messed up but it's okay because like the grace of god is so good over my life but in this one it feels like oh well if we've done it we've done it like it's over like we ruined it it's like we can't get it back but i want us to go into now like you can um so let's talk about some of the harmful analogies of the church so there have been some terrible analogies thrown out that the church has thrown out as far as sex goes uh, I think when we've tried to um, handle the sex talk for um, people not wanting to just say it the way it is, they try to paint an analogy about it. And sometimes it just goes so south. And so I just want to bring up the rose analogy if y'all have ever heard it. Um, there was a TikTok going around Matt Taylor did about the rose analogy that was so well handled that I love how he said it. Uh, and basically this pastor Matt was at this church and this pastor came up and um, he held a rose and he was like, look at the rose. Isn't it so beautiful? And he was talking about like a a virgin, basically, if you've never had sex, like how pure this rose is, like how beautiful this rose is. And he's like, now everybody like pass it around the church. So like pass it all around the church. And then the rose came back to the pastor. And then he was like, who would want this now? Like, look how damaged it is. And and like, he was just like, so rude about it. Um, like, this is basically what you're offering your husband by the time you get to your wedding night or your wife by the time you get to your wedding night. If you've had sex outside of the mar- marriage, like you're damaged, you're, you're no good. Uh, it's less beautiful. It's less pure. It's less holy, all these things. And Matt Chandler, like with tears in his eyes, was like, Jesus would want the rose. Like, yeah. like you've missed it, dude. Like, Jesus would want the rose. Like, how could you even say that? And I just want to say like, like if you if you believed an analogy like that, I am so genuinely sorry because, and if you've ever said something like that, that is taking away the power of the cross. That's like saying, oh, the cross is powerful enough for every other sin, but that, are you kidding me? The power of the cross can redeem all things, can make all things new. Um, and so it doesn't matter what you've done or how far you've gone. It doesn't matter um, who you've slept with or what your hidden sins are. When you bring that to the cross, 
cross, when you come under the blood of Christ, when you confess that, repent from that turn, the old is gone, the new has come. And we're going to read some verses just over your life that speak that truth. So if you've heard anything that is in opposition to what we're about to read, then it's an opposition to the word of God, which is the truth of God's word. And I just think this is so important because we have so many people walking around with so much guilt and with so much shame and sexual brokenness. And they're taking that into their marriage because they think they have to, because they're like, oh, I've done this. I feel so sorry for it. And I'm like, no, walk into your marriage pure and holy because God's made you that way. Like me and Christian, like I said, we did not have perfect past, but we walked into our wedding night pure before the Lord. We were excited, you know, because we had been made new. And so I just want us to believe that for ourselves. Like I said, we already read Romans 3.23 for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all in this boat no matter what you've done. Um, I'm going to read Isaiah 1.18. The mom, if you want to go ahead and get Ephesians 1.7. The other day, I actually heard a guy was telling his story and he and his wife and they talked about they went through some really hard years and he had really gone astray. And he talked about, you know, the sexual sin was a big part of that. And he said, I didn't even understand the scriptures about like purity of heart or blessed are the pure in spirit. I didn't even think that was like for me. Like that, that was not, it's av- like you read over he it. thought that was not even available to me. And he's like, now I know because I have repented and confessed and turned and given my life truly to Jesus and allow his, his blood to cover me. Like I now understand what that scriptures talk about. There is mm-hmm. a purity of heart. There is, I can have that. I can access that. Yes. That is not just for like someone else no. who has lived this pure life. Nope. This is for all of us. Yeah. I'm going to actually start with first John, just after she said that first John one nine says this. So this is it right here. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of our unrighteousness. So if we confess, he's faithful. He's just to cleanse us of our sins and forgive us. Now, what can that do? What's the power of that? Well, I want to read Isaiah 1. Um, I love this so much. I've always loved this verse, verse 18. And it says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be washed as white as snow. And I just love that, that like your sins are scarlet. Your sins are real, but they are going to be washed as white as snow. And I remember the first time I went on a ski trip after I got out of a really broken relationship and I looked at the snow and I just remember getting like emotional, like, whoa, like I've been looking at myself as like damage. I've been looking at myself as guilt and shame. And that is how God sees me under repentance under redemption as white as that snow and then get this when the sun hits that snow it like glistens it's like the most sparkly beautiful it's like diamonds and I'm like oh my gosh like not only does he just see me this pure like look at it glistening and glowing in the light and I just thought about like man when Jesus like the son of God because of what he's done for us when we're seen under the light of Jesus and the blood of Jesus in the cross we are glistening as white as snow and so what a powerful thing to believe of yourself and that's not far out that's in the word of god that's the truth the word mom has some more verses to read as well all right ephesians 1 7 in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in christ so it's just about that yeah it's 
it's a it's 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 Jesus's plan. It's God's plan for us that Jesus would come for us, that He would offer us grace, and it's it's His wisdom and His insight. He knows it all. Yep. He knows everything. He knows what we've done. He knows what we've been through. But He wanted to. He came for us, and He wanted to die for us so that He we would know the lavish love that He has for That's us. So good. Mm-hmm. And if you want to turn to Second Corinthians five seventeen, uh, one of my favorite verses, and I'm going to read Acts uh, two verse 38 over y'all. This is so good. Peter's talking and Peter says, repent and be baptized. Um, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so I just love that so much because it's like, hey, if you repent of your sins and you're baptized into Christ, like you're cleansed of all this, you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so there is nothing, um, no sin that like is going to exempt you from being cleansed when you come under the confession and the repentance and baptism Mm -hmm. to then be able to receive the fullness of Christ. And so once again, like you're not too far gone to get back to the original design that God yeah. had for you. You know, yeah. you're not too far gone to get back to the fullness of the picture of sex and marriage that God has for you. Yeah. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So yeah, that's just that idea that you can be made totally new, a new creation. That makes me want to dance. Mm -hmm. I love that verse. I'm like, the old has passed away, the new has come. Thank God for that. And when you believe that over yourself, it will change everything about who you are. That's how people show up and you're like, what happened to you? And they're like, (laughs) I'm at Jesus. And that's what it should be. It should be like a shocking change in people's Mm -hmm. life. And so, you you can believe that for others as well. And that's that's the thing is like, sometimes we hold it. Like we hold it within ourselves and then we also hold other people to it too and not allow people to become a new creation and allow that forgiveness to take hold Forgiveness for yourself and forgiveness for someone else. Yes. And I know that happens a lot in relationships. For sure. Mm-hmm. I want to get to that for two things on, on this note. One, I think it is so important you stop right now and you believe this truth over yourself. Mm-hmm. So every verse we just read, I hope you take it personal. That's for you. That's for me to receive. Um, if, if you are in a place where you can confess, confess. Repent means to turn. Do the opposite. Don't keep doing the same thing. Turn to Jesus. If you've been looking at the world's way of sex, turn to the biblical way of sex. Turn to God's view for your life. And those are gonna those are gonna require change, right? True repentance requires change. And um, that's when you're gonna see, you know, change happen. But you're not doing it by yourself now. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you to help you with self-control, to help you with the discipline of all those things. Um, so believe it for yourself, act upon it for yourself, but also believe it for other people. Um, one, I think it's important to believe it for yourself for this reason. Like I said, so many people go into marriage hanging their head low, feeling like, oh, well, I'm not like, uh, I'm not the like beautiful rose that God, he you know how me to be. I'm not in the fullness of whatever. No, like now you know you can be. Like you are restored and redeemed. You're pure, you're lovely, you're beautiful. Yeah. And so whether you are single right now and you're holding this for when you get married, you're dating and you know, right now, maybe you've been having sexual relationships with your boyfriend, like it's not too late to change. Even even your engagement change right now like come together on this and go into your marriage walking in fullness um, or may- maybe you're married and you've never had this like mom said right now like believe it for yourself make the change that you need to make uh, to go forward in peace and go forward in fullness now also on the other hand you have to believe it for other people because I cannot even tell you how many friends have walked through this with where they're in a relationship and um 
one hasn't had sex, one has. One has a crazy past, one doesn't. And uh, for the person who didn't, it is really hard and hurtful that the other person did because I think a message in the church is like, well, you're doing that to your future spouse. And so then when you are the future spouse, you get into that relationship, you're like, oh, you did all that to me. But that's not really true. I think that's a harmful message of the church. I don't think you're not doing it to your future spouse. No, No. that's between you and And the Lord. Lord. Yes. And and the Lord has covered that. That's you and the Lord. The Lord has covered that. And so you're not doing that to your future spouse. You're not damaged goods that you brought into this relationship. And so I do, I think that that is something that as a church that we do need to talk about because I do see people and also people coming into a relationship where they've been so uptight about sex because they've been so scared of sex because it was taught as something bad or something Mm -hmm. like dirty in some ways. And so they come into a marriage and they don't even know how to like be receive free that. in that or mm-hmm. receive it or enjoy sex. And mm-hmm. so I do think having that this biblical view that like sex is good. They're naked and they felt no shame. Yeah, it's meant to be in marriage. And um, but also that there is repentance and there is change and there is covering of whatever of mm-hmm. your past has been by the blood of Jesus. And so I think it's like. On a practical note, because I know that that is something that people deal with. You know, they're just like, oh, I saved myself a marriage and now my, my boyfriend has had sex and I can't get that out of my mind. And that is a real, real thing, you know, that people experience and go through. So I think um, what I would say to that is one is like offer, uh, understand, understand grace, mm-hmm. offer forgiveness. And also sometimes forgiveness comes over time. Like it's not you actually it's not really yours to forgive because they didn't do that to you. But there is something that in your mind that you have to say like, oh, I'm offering grace Mm -hmm. just like Jesus offered grace, just like Jesus offered grace to me. Mm -hmm. Maybe my sin didn't look the exact same way, but I've still sinned and I've fallen short of God's glory Mm -hmm. as well. So um, that might be a continuous, like whenever those thoughts come up, say, oh, no, no, no. God's grace covered that. And I'm not going to hold him mm-hmm. to something more than Jesus was going to hold him to. Yes. And so it's a, maybe a continuous thing that you have to do in your mind. Mm-hmm. I know Dr. Amen, who has been on your podcast quite a few times, you know, talks about those ants, those automatic negative mm-hmm. thoughts. So like when those thoughts come up, capture them, mm-hmm. say, is this true? Did they do this to me? Did they mm-hmm. try to harm me because they, you know, had sex before they even knew me or, or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever is in their right. past and actually question that. Does this really affect our marriage? No, it really doesn't. Yeah. You know, it does not have to affect your marriage. Yeah. It can if you let it, mm-hmm. but it does not have to affect your marriage. What yeah. happened in the past is in the past Especially and does not have to affect your marriage. Under the blood, because you got to think like, if that's true, the old has the old is gone, the new has come. The old has passed away, the new has come. Like yeah. I had to take that for myself and I had to take that for a Christian. Like, mm-hmm. oh wait, why am I talking about the old? That's gone, like that's yeah. passed away. Like yeah. the new has come, like this is the mm-hmm. new, this is the fullness. This is yeah. what we get to experience together that no one else has on us, like in yeah. our marriage. Well, and there are actual real scriptures that talk about to the measure that you judge someone else, you will also be judged. And we know that that to be true. You know, it's like the way that you're judging someone else. If you don't look within yourself and be like, oh, 
Like yeah. I would want someone to have grace for me if I yeah. go through that, I experience that. Then that's what we should offer to yeah. other. And there's so many scriptures that kind of talk about that. Like not judging the other person, taking the speck out of your eye, take yes. the plank out of your eye before you take the speck out of someone else's yeah. eye. And so I think those are those warnings to us as like believers to not think, oh, we're better than oh, yeah. in any way, shape or form. And Jesus to, like busts that whole thing. Yeah. He's like, hey, if you think you're better because you didn't commit adultery, if you even looked at a woman lustfully, you've already commit adultery in your yeah. heart it's like okay well then we're all like yeah. <laughs> then we've all done it you know and mm-hmm. so you have to you know receive that for yourself and receive that for others and I remember one thing practically that helped me and because I know that that's a real thing and that uh, that's a real struggle for a lot of people because you grew up with this expectation maybe and then mm-hmm. it comes and it's not the same and I remember I was like um you know, offended by Christian's past. Just like he could have been offended by mine too for several other reasons. And um, I just remember being like offended and like can't get past it and couldn't stop thinking about it. And then one day it literally hit me like a, like conviction, like a ton of bricks. And I just remember thinking that the whole time I was taking this offense, I was like, he's my boyfriend. Like he's my future husband. He's mine, he's mine, he's mine. And then I remember one day being like, you're not mine. Like you're actually God's son. And when I stopped looking at Christian as my boyfriend and started seeing him as God's son, um, I had a completely new perspective of Christian. I actually saw him how God saw him. I saw him as the pure, the pureness as white as snow. I saw him as the new creation that he was. I saw him as um, just blameless before the Lord, like the beauty of what Christ had done for him because of how much God loves him and sees him as forgiven. Just how he sees me. Like God sees me that way too. And like of all the things I've done, all the guilt I could hold, of all the shame I could hold, of all the brokenness and relationships I've had, like God... God has this for me yeah. and God has his, this for him. And we are not each other's. We are God's first. And so because we are created in the image of God, because I am a daughter of God, because he is a son of God. And because we come under the blood of Jesus in in relationship together, we That's get good. to live in the fullness and the purity that God has. It is such a gift. That's and that's good. what God has for all of you. And so and if you look I at anybody other too. than that yeah. design, you get messed up in your thinking. That's so good. And I'm going to do want to say this too. And that is like, you know, we are, we are on earth and we are like, there is not going to be perfection in the realm of sex for our time here on earth because there's so much distortion there's so much the enemy is on the prowl and he is seeking to destroy relationship that's because that's what god's god's design he's seeking to destroy god's design on every single level so while you're on this earth there's not going to be perfection Mm-mm. that has it when it comes no. to this there's always going to be things that are going to come into it that you're going to have to say oh I'm going to forgive again, or I'm going to, I'm going to make myself pure again. And that's why Jesus offers that. It's not a one-time thing. It's not like one and done. It's a, it's a continuous Mm -hmm. act of like sanctification with, with Jesus and with the spirit within us as we grow. Because there's not going to have this perfection that you're like, it's like like, all of a sudden, like, oh, it's all perfect because we do live on a fallen world and we do live in this earth. And when we get to eternity, we are going to be able to experience that. But absolutely. And so, you know, even whenever you do start walking under the blood of Jesus, even when you do start walking and uh, the covering of purity that Christ has for you, we are not going to be perfect. He is perfect. And because he is 
is perfect and because his plan is good, when we abide by his uh, following and we abide by his plan for our life, things are good. But that doesn't mean that everything is perfect because we do live in a fallen world. We live in perversion. We do have past. We do have real things that have hurt us or mental things that are going to pop into our mind and all of these different things, triggers that are going to get us. But it's continuously taking God at his word, continuously receiving the gift that God has for us and receiving the goodness and the originality that he meant. And so I hope that this helps you guys understand a little bit more fully what God designed for sex and marriage. And I hope that it you know, helps you get on a path to desire God's will uh, for your life. Christian, I always say this and people say, you know, what boundaries did y'all have in dating? And we said, you know, we didn't really create like certain boundaries because we feel like when we created boundaries, we just got to the boundary line. You know, it was like not a good thing for us, but we really just put the desire that we had for God's uh, view on sex and marriage as like the desire for our relationship. And because we wanted that so badly, like that's what we sought after, that's what we did. And so, um, you know, I just encourage you, it doesn't have to look like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. When you desire God over all things, um, that's actually how you're going to begin to make those better decisions for your life because it's not about rules, it's about a relationship. And so hopefully this gets you on a good track of desiring God's will for your life, desiring God's plan for your future marriage, for your marriage now, for sex and intimacy and what that looks like. And hopefully also for those of you who have felt shame and guilt around this area today, you can receive the grace and the love of God and you can become that new creation that God has promised you to be. And um, I believe this my whole heart. I've experienced this for me. I've experienced this in my marriage. And um, I just am a huge advocate for God's way. And like I said, from the very beginning, I love that it hasn't changed. I love the consistency of it because I think that there is just such power and volume behind consistent things. And so um, thanks for listening to our sex talk. I'm sure this is going to spark a lot more conversation. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more questions and we're happy to dive in. As usual, we love when we get feedback on what you guys want to hear about and it challenges us to study the word a lot more for these topics and they're challenging topics, but they're good to talk about. And I'm glad I have my mom here to add wisdom. I was like, this is going to be really funny. People are going to be like, sex talk with her mom. That's awkward, but I hope you can see that it's not awkward to talk about um, a beautiful thing that God designed. And so we're thankful for y'all. We hope you have a great week. We hope this is helpful for you and your friends who have had questions, your relationship that you're in right now. And we love you guys. We're so for y'all.